Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Upstatus Podcast. I'm your host, Steph Paulson, a registered nutritionist in Australia and New Zealand. And today we have Lauren Ball on the show with us. We are here to talk ham. Ham sammies, ham and cheese toasty, a classic item on the menu of many cafes, canteens, at-home bakeries. Most food shops, I would assume, have ham on their menu in some form. In fact, I was at a cafe this morning and their main offer is actually a ham and cheese toasty. So I saw a few of those come out. It's affordable. It's convenient. People like the taste of it. It goes well on a sandwich. People do view it as a good protein option as well. But before we get into ham, let me introduce Lauren. Lauren is an accomplished research leader with an international reputation for improving health of communities. Lauren's work spans primary care, community care, hospital services, allied health, health promotion and well-being and health policy. She has a clinical background as an advanced accredited practicing dietitian and exercise physiologist. Lauren's research career to date has been exemplary, as evidenced by multiple awards and accolades, including two NHMRC fellowships and National Award for Excellence in PhD Supervision, Fellowships of Learned Societies and several awards of for research excellence. Whew, Lauren, that's an expansive career so far. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us. This is our first time meeting and our first time many of our listeners may have heard from you. So it'd be great to hear a bit about you before we crack into the ham. Where are you from? Where are you based? And what has been one of your career highlights so far? Thank you, Steph. That was quite a mouthful for you. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I think you were pretty comprehensive in describing the type of work that I do. So I guess first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a dietitian and a researcher. We were talking earlier how I grew up in Sydney and then moved to the sunny state a little while ago and very much called Brisbane home these days. I work at the University of Queensland where I have a very exciting role that I love. My job title is Professor of Community Health and Wellbeing and essentially that means undertaking research and trying to influence a conversation that we have around all aspects of health and wellbeing. Food and nutrition being one of the main topics that comes up. So it's a very exciting um, role that I have. I'm really enjoying it. I've been there for about 18 months now. Mm. I would say my career highlights so far would be getting a PhD. Uh, this happened uh, a little while ago now. I think I graduated in 2013. So it was a little while ago now. But I would say that that really opened up the world of research to me. It gave me confidence to critically review research that other people have done, also taught me how to do my own research and developed me into a leader where, you know, these days now I run a whole research centre at UQ of other dietitian researchers and researchers of other disciplinary backgrounds, uh, as well as research assistants and honours candidates and uh, a, a large happy group of people that I just enjoy working with each day. So without that PhD, I don't think I would have been able to have the job I have now. That's amazing. Yes, a very expensive career so far and great that you have a happy team. That's number one right there. Absolutely. <laughs> so an article that caught my eye this week, the banning of ham from school canteens. I read it, saw that Lauren wrote it and now here we are. Thank you, Lauren. Now, there's been lots of conversation the past few years on processed meats. So we're talking salami, ham, sausages, bacon. 
Chorizo, saveloids, all the rest of it. The World Cancer Research Fund, they recommend eating little of these foods, if any at all. And then these processed meats fall into the discretionary food items of the dietary guidelines here in Australia, which outline these foods should be consumed um, sometimes and in small amounts, uh, which is similar in New Zealand too. So Lauren, to kick us off, can you tell us why this article was written in the first place and what has been going on with school canteens and why is this work uh, really important for school canteens? Sure. Thanks, Steph. So school canteens in Australia are provided with guidelines on what to sell uh, for, for kids. And they use a traffic light system, which many listeners may be aware of, but essentially green foods mean we want to, as in green traffic light foods, I should say, we want to eat lots and lots. Not spinach um, and kale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amber, no, not so much. And red foods, not sell at all. Um, and this really helps canteens to decide what's on their menu. It also helps them decide you know, what is able to be viewed when kids come up to the canteen window, for example. Um, and this article came about because Western Australia changed the guidelines that they provide to their schools in that state. And it really refines where each food was categorised in terms of the traffic light system. Mm -hmm. Ham was one that was moved from being an amber food where we should have, you know, limit, you know, not so much, to being a red food. And so red meaning it can't be on the menu. Mm -hmm. There was one small catch and that the new guidelines would allow canteens to still sell ham but only two days per week. And only if it was already on the menu before they made this change to the, the guidelines. So uh, that was the reason why that the article was written, because that change meant that canteens changed their menu, or many, many did. And that had some parents reportedly concerned or confused or frustrated about what that might mean for um, what their children would have access to at school. Yes, yeah. Very true. And why do you think, like, why is this all this work behind school canteen guidelines even happening? Why do we need to be looking at what school canteens are actually providing their students? Well, we know that for many children, they will use school canteens as um, one of the foundations of their daily diet. So mm -hmm. for uh, many kids who might bring their own lunchbox to school, that's great. But for others who might use the resources of the school canteen, you know, what they eat at school can really affect their overall dietary intake. Um, we know that there are other dietary concerns for children, for example, making sure that kids have access to breakfast each day and that kids have you know, sufficient veggie intake, as an example. So school canteens is just one aspect of how we can hopefully positively influence the, the food and therefore the nutritional health of children, really because we know there's such a strong relationship between the food that kids eat and their growth and development now and into the long term. So if we're going to have public health impacts for our future population, the kids are where we need to start with. Mm, yes, 100%. I grew up in New Zealand and I have fond memories of the school canteen because of the lollies and the cookies, which 
obviously is not what we want to, where we want to be steering our children at all. It was only a sometimes situation where that was happening, but the school was actually providing these $1 cookies and these 50 cent lolly mixtures, which does seem a bit crazy. So guidelines, creating nutrition guidelines is anything but simple, really, especially in the modern world that we live in. Uh, the food food we consume is quite complex. You know, all these new food products doesn't necessarily make it easy to categorize them into green, orange, you know, green, amber, red. Um, just to give the listeners another example of nutrition guidelines and how they can be used, um, it could be as simple as what I do with my recipes and I have an ingredient and nutrition guidelines and I give them to the recipe developer and we work with them to make sure the recipes fit these guidelines. Um, in New Zealand, another example, they use a system to classify foods, food products into everyday or sometimes foods and those sometimes foods cannot be directly marketed to children. The everyday foods can be. That system is very much voluntary and some food companies are not going to want to follow anything like that because it will affect their bottom line. But just as another couple of examples there, Lauren, what are some of the key challenges that come into play when creating these sorts of nutrition guidelines for school canteens? Hmm. The biggest challenge that I've seen and I'm a little concerned with on the ham front is that weaponizing or demonizing one food is not helpful. We know that there are already so many uh, contradictory conversations that happen in modern day life about the food that we eat. For example, should we be having ultra-processed foods or not having ultra-processed foods? Should we be having plant-based foods or not plant-based foods? And that can really divide communities and school communities. So um, the change in WA was a change to their guidelines overall. It wasn't a change just to single out ham. It's just that the where we've seen the implication the most is in ham or as we were talking about before, ham and cheese toasties is usually the way that ham is on the menu of a school canteen. Mm. So a challenge we have is making sure that we're staying up with scientific evidence on what is good food to eat, but we're able to communicate that with schools and often volunteers who are, you know, um, putting in their hours to support school canteens to run in a way that's going to support them and not hinder them or create additional problems. Mm, so true. I helped out at our netball canteen the other day and a ham and cheese toasty is on that menu and actually a tomato and cheese toasty and both of mm-hmm. them did sell pretty good. But it's not as though the ham and cheese toasty was just being sold to the children either. You know, adults mm. getting right behind the ham and cheese toasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you mentioned evidence there. So I just mentioned before the dietary guidelines and how they recommend we limit processed meats. Um, there's obviously evidence behind that recommendation and evidence behind this recommendation from the Western Australian um, Department of Health. What is this evidence, Lauren? So the evidence would be really around the topic of why would we want to restrict for ham or foods like ham? And because ham is not considered to be a junk food on its own. Uh, however, the nutrients within ham can be of concern and that would have been the reason why it was moved from an amber food to a red food. So, for example, ham is considered to be high in sodium, which is salt, and we know that 
a high sodium intake can lead to high blood pressure and make us at higher risk of heart disease and strokes. And when we look at the evidence around how much sodium Aussie kids eat at the moment, we know that many consume more than our recommended upper limit of 600 milligrams a day. Mm. So this would be one of the key nutrients of concern as to why ham was you know, moved down to really restrict the intake. So the, theoretically, we would hope that less ham means less sodium in the diet, meaning improved or less risk of cardiovascular disease for our kids as they uh, grow up into adults. Um, and we know from the World Health Organization that reducing sodium is one of the most cost-effective ways that we can help the health of the population. So these small changes that we make now can result in really meaningful long-term benefits in terms of cardiovascular disease. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then there's the world cancer research fund as well so there's um you know associations with i think it's colorectal cancer um with processed meats that's not just ham that's processed meats in general um as well so i thought the article online was excellent and it does outline what to look for when choosing ham products so that that would be school canteen um, or, you know, just individuals in the supermarket. It outlines to pick lower sodium options like we're talking about, um, a lower number of additives. Just to give our listeners a bit more information, how do we go about ensuring we're picking that good ham option at the supermarket? So what sort of sodium content are we looking for? How many additives should we be looking for? The article um, was great and outlined that we should be looking at saturated fat of less than three grams per 100 grams. That's part of the Western Australian um, Department of Health school canteen guidelines. So do you have any more uh, comments around that one, Lauren? So the main advice would be to choose something that's not ham because yeah. <laughs> that is where we would reduce our sodium intake. Uh, if if there are listeners who are shopping and are uh, absolutely must have ham and that's not an option to find an alternative then at least finding one that hasn't got the additives and the extra ingredients that are of concern and even comparing two products side by side and choosing the one that is lower in sodium that can often be easier to do than having to remember you know oh what was Steph saying about how many milligrams per 100 grams and uh, etc so at least choosing the healthiest option out of what is there um, in the um, supermarket. And often that will mean the product with the least amount of processing. The challenge being that it's, sometimes it's hard to tell what the processing has been or, or whether the product you're looking at, you know, how, how processed that is. But um, there are some other meat alternatives or ham alternatives that we wrote about in the article, like turkey breast and chicken breast and smoked salmon and roast beef. Um, but also some non-meat options could also be fantastic, even on toasties. I know my local cafe does uh, roast veggie toasty, which is absolutely amazing. So homemade roasts or grilled veggies or even beans and legumes. So so I would encourage readers to think about what else is out there rather than thinking we must always have ham. Yes, great point. When my dad was on duty with the cooking at home, it was always toasties. 
And I was thinking, I was like, did we have ham on our toasties? But it was a baked bean. It was either baked beans or spaghetti with cheese in your toastie, which I think, you know, baked bean, that's a way of getting some beans and some legumes into, into your kids or into yourself. Um, cheese and tomato, at least that's – and tomato and ba um, ham, almost an easy swap there. Um, and then even cheese, tomato, and pickle, I mean, probably controversial. Um, and that will just give a little bit of that sort of – Uh, sodium that little flavor there um too for some people mm -hmm. I good point with the sodium looking at the sodium and comparing um if you are choosing a ham product and looking at lower sodium make sure you are comparing per 100 grams some of them I think do outline that they've got a 25 gram serve size and some are saying that there are 50 gram serve size so if you compare per serve one's going to look a whole lot bigger than the other you do have to compare with that per 100 gram. I actually had a quick look last night, Lauren, on Woolworths, just did a quick ham type in, and I came across one that outlines they're an actual premium ham. They have a claim front of pack saying no artificial nitrite. And to be honest, there, are, there weren't additives as such added to the product. Um, it's the first time I've seen a ham like that. So I don't know how long it's been on the market for, but I thought that's an interesting um, product to see on the market. And then I had to compare price. I was like, I need to compare the price of this to a, a more standard ham. And they were very similar in price, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if you have any comments around those sorts of ham products at all, Lauren? Well, just that the word artificial meaning or, or added meanings, a, a processing method where something else has been added. So I would certainly hope that the ham does not have anything that's artificial or added to it. Absolutely. And your point about cost is so important. We are in a cost of living crisis. So all well and good for us to recommend what, what food is you know healthiest for the long term, but it's a real challenge when we know so many kids and families are really struggling with making sure that they can uh, weigh up healthy informed food choices with the household budget each week it's it's a real challenge that we have now ultimately we want more and more food companies to get on board with making their products uh healthier um for consumers yes like a premium product and not necessarily putting a premium price on it mm -hmm. uh so the turkey you mentioned the turkey and the chicken you know how you can still buy the the sort of should we call it processed turkey and processed chicken that's still in the slab like a ham would be? Mm. What uh, is that similar to a processed ham? Yeah, ideally you would buy the whole breast that you can slice up yourself or even um, do a roast at home where you can control how much salt you're putting on, if at all, or use herbs and spices where you're really in control. So the more that we produce foods uh, you know and process foods ourselves at home we know we know exactly what's happened to them and exactly what the ingredients would be so that would be ideal than even buying the, the whole breast at, at the shops yeah yeah excellent okay what do you think the school canteens will be doing now with their ham and cheese toasty lauren will they simply go to for a cheese toasty will they swap it out with something else what are your thoughts around that well, that's a very good question. I know that so many schools take a unique and individual approach because they really rely often on the volunteer and the direction of 
sometimes one or two people who are a member of the school, you know, parents and friends committee. Um, school canteens really rely on kids, you know, making informed decisions and bringing, you know, money to school and what what sells will, is, will be what they stock. And so I don't know. I don't think I can answer what schools will do. I know certainly the school that my kids are at, they have a wealth of options. Each day the menu changes. Uh, there's no ham and cheese toasty on the menu there. Maybe maybe in Queensland we're one step ahead. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> there's always going to be one food or nutrient that there's commenta- commentary around. I, I hope that we don't you know, single out ham as being, a, um, you know, the main issue when we know that our diet is so complex. We really want to make sure that we're having, you know, an abundance of fresh and wholesome foods and, and reducing processed foods overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for that, Lauren. Can you tell us a bit more, if we take a step away from the ham article now, can you tell us a bit more about what you're up to at the moment with your research? Yeah, absolutely. So the research that we lead is called the Centre for Community Health and Wellbeing. And our research team, there's about 16 people in our team at the moment. And our job is to connect with everyday Australians, community members, um, and understand their priorities for research around health and wellbeing. We are physically based in Springfield City, which is just west of Brisbane, where we have an amazing uh, office location on top of the local cafe. And so we're often down at the cafe, you know, you know rubbing shoulders and talking with everyday mums and dads, you know, school teachers, police officers, and really hearing from them about what support they need to have, you know, a healthy life and then um, designing programs and initiatives that respond to that. So whilst we do have strong expertise in nutrition, we also look at topics such as supporting people with physical activity, as well as navigating and accessing health services for um, a range of heart disease and diabetes, but also eating disorders comes up uh, as well, but also the whole range of health and well-being, including spiritual well-being and financial well-being and environmental well-being, social well-being, uh, all raise these fabulous topics where we have the privilege of connecting with experts across UQ and designing some really innovative solutions for community members. So it's a fantastic place to work. And I feel like we're really pushing the boundaries of what modern day research is, being uh, responsive and proactive to what um, the everyday Australian now really needs to help them with their health. Yes, I love that. Responsive and proactive to what's happening now. Yes, so good. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. If you were to leave our listeners with some final comments that can be related to ham or not, what would they be? Well, I guess uh, with a ham, everything in in moderation and take a look at the bigger picture of diet and making sure that for ourselves and our family that we're supporting healthy choices each day, that's going to be what counts the most in the long term. Well, Lauren, thanks for being here. Thanks for everything you do as a nutrition and health leader out there. You are out there changing the health of the community one day at a time. And I thank you for doing that and taking the time out from your busy schedule to be with us here today too. So thanks so much. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Steph.